don't have to like everything we say. You don't have to listen to us. I do often get asked about what I look at and how I do my research and why. Based on an email I had, I'm going to insert this now as I just answered it the other day. Reference it in the last show. I'm going to help kickstart your research campaign. We're going to take a look at some things I would look at, break it down for you on why I would start there, how this goes, and try to give you some encouragement because it can seem overwhelming what I'm about to present. So to kickstart it, we're going to look at Houthis in Yemen and all the stuff going on over there. Part of the great potential of things that could go badly. But right now it's just game playing and nothing to be too concerned about. There's still moves that need to be made. A lot of bureaucracy going on. But we'll take a look at that because that's what somebody else wanted to look at. So kickstarting your research. How to do it, what to look for, and why. Right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. All right, so let's start talking about the Gray Man store before we get into this real quick. I am making headway on the quality control section on the Shammer side of business things. I got some more of the products in to check out, so I've learned some things, I guess. It's not that I was wrong, but I was wrong. So looking at the regular copy cups, right now I'm going to leave them up there. I got some more replacements of those. They were fine. And then... When comparing them to regular normal coffee cups people have around their house, they're pretty much the same. I guess I'm used to, I buy coffee cups sometimes, but I buy like those overly thick diner style ones. I've bought some more elaborate ones, heavier duty ones. Also the, like, they don't sell on the website, but you know, like insulated cups, you might have travel mugs or tumblers. I have some of those higher quality. I spend a lot of money on that stuff because I put them through the paces. So it turns out it's pretty much a normal cup. As far as any issue with image quality, that was on me, which has been corrected. And that cup was given to somebody who's a fan of the show. Um, bigger fan than I thought. Somebody I knew had followed me on YouTube, but I didn't realize was still listening to the show. So hi, Dale. And he liked the cup. I'm sure in a couple of days when I see him, he'll tell me about it. But I had the cup given to him. And then the camping mugs, the enameled steel cups. I got one of those in. Those look fine. They're a little smaller than the ones I've bought before. I know you can get them in different sizes, I guess. But the one I have, the one I have can't be 12 ounces. It must be 14 or 16. Apparently, it's pretty big. This one is a little bit smaller than a normal coffee cup. It's about 10 ounces, I think. Um, but the guy I gave that to was happy to get it. And I'm glad he got that cup instead of a porcelain one because he's outside a lot. So he doesn't have to worry about blowing up in the cold air, which... If you don't know that, if you have a regular ceramic mug, you fill it full of a hot drink, you take it outside in the cold, yeah, it might blow up. So they were satisfied with them. My mom's satisfied with hers. 
So I'm going to leave those up there. I am waiting on delayed shipping of shirts. It's holiday thing. It's not like the business thing. They just got delayed a little bit. And then because uh, of the holiday, you know, two holidays in a row with long weekends. So when I get those, I'm going to look at those graphics and take a determination of that. After that, when I give that a go, I'm going to get probably at least one of the bottles. I'm going to order a sweatshirt and a couple other things. I want to inspect them all. And so that's just an update. If you're interested in those mugs, the stuff is up on Facebook. I'm sticking to my rule, though. I'm not putting any links in the show notes until I am completely sold on everything that's up there. So I can say, yes, we're, we're sitting pretty with what we have. So I'm saying, hey, you want a cup? You're good to go. Otherwise, I'm checking the rest of the stuff out. So let's move on. So we're going to look at part of an email here. So let me uh, let me figure out how to use my computer real fast. Okay, so this is an email with several things in it. I'm just going to point out the one that pertains specifically to today's discussion, which led to an email that led to this show that I thought I'd throw in now because we recently did How to Read the News. This is like a uh, follow-on How to Read the News 201 we're going to be looking at not just news, though, many other things. So this part of the email, the matters right here, says, Honestly, I probably will try and parse out the area study of the Red Sea shipping routes myself. My hypothesis is that it's trillions of dollars of goods per year that pass through the area the Houthis are attacking. I was reading shipping container rates have gone through the roof up to 10000 per container to ship, which make doing business that much more expensive. Mayor Skeven came out today and said they are not sailing in the area anymore despite the presence of American and other international assets. If you have any guidance on this exercise in terms of focus and questions to answer, I would love to know how to structure a product like this. Part of this email is he's looking at the idea of an area study, provide me some stuff he um, checks out from other people, and it looks like um, he's trying to do one himself. So we're going to help out with that. The other thing too is, I'm not sure what shipping rates are right there all the time, but I do know that shipping rates also depend not just it's like anything you're shipping, just like if you were shipping something UPS, how much it weighs, what it is, how far it's going, what routes you have to travel. So there are places where shipping rates are far more than 10K as a normal price. So I'm not sure about his numbers there. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm saying he's researched it. I haven't. But that is definitely something to look to. Money is always important. You'll just see that I don't mention money much when I give advice because we're always going to think about money in the military and those come later. Do those at the end or you'll lose focus. Now, that being said, one of the things about a hypothesis to look at is how we write them. And in this one, instead of saying a presumed dollar amount, because you might look at it, find out what the dollar amount is. The, the hypothesis should be about the fact that there is containers going through there based, based on what he's saying. So I'm, I'm telling you as a group, but I'm telling him too. Stuff's going through there. Things are having to change. You're trying to figure out what's going to change, and it's going to change prices. But don't assume dollar amounts. The reason why is the actual dollar amount through the Red Sea, through the Suez Canal, is only about one trillion even. It's not multiple trillions. But the numbers you want to look at in this case, when we're talking about trade, or you want to look at percentages more than dollar amounts. Dollar amounts can be misleading for many reasons, depending on when it happened, you know, the things change with currency rates and all that. But also, we don't know what they're carrying. So if one ship has a million dollars worth of good and another ship has a million dollars worth of good, we're only focused on a million dollars. But the contents of, the, of those containers are actually more important because of where they're coming and who they affect. So the percentages you want to look at are percentage of trade. And one thing to know is the Red Sea itself is about 12% of global trade, all trade. It's about 30% of container traffic. So almost a third of the waterborne container traffic goes through that area. Now, 
That being said, just to help him out, that is not the answer we are looking for. That is not the answer I gave him. What I did is I focused on what I normally do. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this right now, I'm going to do this. I didn't tell him what I looked up or how. I just provided him some information. So I'm going to put these links in the show notes. This is why it can be overwhelming. It's a lot of links. There's 15 or 20 of them. This is a starting point. What I presented to him was for two reasons. One, based on the email I'm going to read you back, is general guidance on getting this started. This is for sure a scratch-the-surface situation of getting started. It's to help you understand how much information is out there and how much needs to be looked at. So that's probably the biggest point to take note of in this process. The second point is that sometimes some people, and I guess what I mean by that when I have personally, this is me personally training people, most of those people, most of the time, don't just get overwhelmed by this type of information. They get so overwhelmed, they are ready to quit, stop, or give up because they can't. They're like, I just can't process it. I can't do it. That's too much. I'm giving you information of where I use a starting point. You probably already know if you're not there yet, like you could sit side by side. If you're like, yeah, you clearly got this more than me. Okay, then if I clearly got it more than you, don't beat yourself up because you can't do this yet. It takes time. Use this as a guide. Take the pieces you can, work on more later. So it's a lot. So here's what, I'll walk you through this. So I said, below, I provided a list of links to give you a head start. This is all it is, is a head start, a Kickstarter. However, you will have to use your own vetting process. That tells you two things. I didn't vet this. Okay, I'm suggesting it's good information to look at. I would consider it good information to look at for a starting point, but I didn't vet any of it. So you got to vet it all yourself. I'm not going to, I'm going to help you if you ask for help. I'm not going to do it for you. And then I wrote, I mean, I'm an instructor by trade these days, so a hint is all you get. However, the size of the hint may appear large. It should be telling you how much is really out there to look at. This is a hint, a Kickstarter, a beginning point of looking at the general eye of this subject. Based on everything I'm telling you here today in this show and all the links I provided, it is not the everything. That is a starting point to find the list of everything you want to look at, which goes beyond the sentence. I'm going to break it down, but if you saw this email, there's literally a run-on sentence. It's so long how I wrote it because I was just putting my thoughts on paper of like, this is how much is here. So let's see, I said, while a few things are specific to the area, that what follows is a general condensed starting rule of research areas. So this is a general condensed for anything. Following your nose because of anything coming from media is always going to lead you down the wrong path. Basically, you watching the news, so using this one, you watch the news, you hear about Yemen, Red Sea, you look at a map for some reason, you go, oh yeah, it's over there. I remember that from geography. Houthis are terrorists, they're over there somewhere. Oh, they're attacking ships, it's costing money. Container ships are going the other place, it has somewhere to do with Israel. If you take those ideas and start digging into in your own, no problem. But if you have a list of things you're starting to dig into because somebody told you to, especially somebody you don't know, who's a media personality or whatever, or a podcaster, no, don't do that. That's why I don't, I suppose I probably do sometimes, but I typically don't tell you what to do. I tell you how to do a way that will work. This is a way that will work. That's why I'm providing you guidance and a guideline and a starting point to figure it out on your own. I, I could tell you exactly what to do by telling you what I do in ways I know the work, but that won't help you. It won't help you. It might help you with the mechanics of figuring something out, but you'll just, because you don't have the experience to learn on your own, you'll inadvertently act as though it applies to everything when it doesn't. You'll lose a lot of the creativity of your own personal genius coming up with your own ideas and inserting your own points of view and things you look at. 
and you'll become me. That's a possibility. It's not actually as likely as it sounds, but you could become me, and that doesn't do any of those any good. You need to be you. So the first piece of advice I give is, no more than 15% of the information you consume and call a source or call good information, source and good, I wrote in quotes, however you define those words, should come from anything classified as media. So that's anything you call mass media, public media, corporate media, social media, should be such a small portion of that. I also would consider consider media any type of official organization that constantly provides new what we'd call news and information. That's that's one of the things I would look at. The next one I said is uh, where to go? No more than fifteen percent of the information you consume and call a source or good information, however you define those words, words, should come from people like me. I don't mean podcasters. Podcasters goes in the first category. People like me that this is our job or has been our job. I don't mean some guy on a podcast somewhere that has no experience, education, or anything in this and pretends like they know what they're talking about. I'm talking about in this stuff, I'm talking about somebody that deals with intelligence, you know, strategic intelligence. They worked in government dealing with this stuff. They focused on international law, international trade. They were businessmen that focused on this area and understand how these numbers and things work. They were military strategists who may not have been in the military, but specifically focused only on this area. Not all areas, just this area. You're looking for a finite group of experts. And here's the thing. You probably should be hard-pressed to fill that 15% up because it's unlikely you know who those people are. But if you do or think you do, that should be a small portion. The remaining 70% comes from organizations, nations, collegiate studies, and projects, peer-reviewed journals, recognized organizations that are authority in their field that specifically rate to whatever we're looking at. You notice in there isn't news. I told you how to read the news because it's a good project. It's a good exercise to get into. It's also a good basic study for any minor changes on any other form of written or verbal presented information that you can scrutinize to learn how to evaluate but it's actually the smallest portion. All these other things matter more. So here's the thing. Somebody that wants to be talking like they know what they're talking about is nowhere near as important than a collegiate study, even if you don't agree with it. It's nowhere near as important as any organization that talks about stuff. For example, you can have whatever opinion or thought you want on things like the World Economic Forum. However, what they have to say about the money portion of this subject we're looking at today is far more important than some random dude's opinion who is not part of that organization and just proclaims to be an expert in something but can provide you no credentials or information. So you don't want to discount organizations because of somebody's conspiracy or even proven whatever on this is. They have value. Just like I said, all news agencies have a certain amount of value. You just have to figure out what that value is. You know, peer-reviewed journals, as long as those journals and what's written about in those journals are specific to this type of subject that makes sense where they could be reasonably considered an expert. This is where you find your experts. The 15% for that, where guys like me fall in, is also where you can find a specific type of expert that's going to present it, but there's very few. And the 15% that's news and podcasters and random dudes that don't know what they're talking about is what you're presented with the most. It's what we see the most, typically what we look for the most. Nothing bad about that. Just, hey, that's the iPhone world we live in. But that's your least reliable and what you want to be careful for. So, Here's the long paragraph I'll read you that I said things to look at. 
that go beyond waterways, beyond nations and organizations in the news. So the area we're talking about here, zoom it out on a map if you want. We're talking about Yemen. Look where Yemen is above that and below it. You have two areas, the Strait of Hormuz, the Gulf of Aden, and then you have the Suez Canal on the northwest side of the Red Sea. Those are the three major waterways that matter, not just the big bodies of water. Those are the three waterways that matter, but also the Red Sea and the Gulf, all that area in there. So from there, here's what we also want to look at. All nations that physically border those waterways, the agreements, trade, and treaties between themselves, and then again, behind any regional superpower. By superpower, I mean countries with a navy capable of getting involved in this area, countries using the maritime routes for trades known to involve their navy, any known or suspected nuclear power within 2,500 miles, and always the five eyes. If you know what the five eyes is, look it up. If you're listening to this show, you should know what the five eyes are. Or you're just listening to it for entertainment, in which case that's okay. So that's a starting point. That's a lot. And we're going to make sure all kinds of comparisons in there. Next, I said, let's see. Superpowers in this region would also be Saudi Arabia due to their OPEC position and treaties with nations like the one with the U.S. for security assistance. Those factor in. I should have also wrote in the Gulf Coast Cooperation Council and all the things they have to do that have to deal with this. Then expand to all OPEC nations as they would be affected by disruption and gain and, again, their other trade in the areas and treaties with any of the above nations we've already mentioned. Then look at any political and legislative change in the last 20 years that may affect many of the above with their involvement in the specific area. Also go back 100 to 150 150 years as a rule of regional activity related to trade and effect on developing and discontinued nations and militaries in the region. This helps gauge past and future importance of the area. In some cases, you could easily go back centuries and find useful data, which you easily can in this case, but don't get distracted by that. That's when you're getting in the weeds. Unless there's a specific historical reason you're making that study. But for this, for an area study, that would be getting into the weeds. Let's see. Then, blah, 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 future import. Okay. Go back. Okay. Then we bring in markets around the world. I'm talking about trade markets, economic markets, you know, stock markets, that kind of thing. The future has either been affected by any of the above. Wait, let me read the whole second sentence again. Because I, I cut myself off in the middle. Okay. Then we bring in the markets around the world. Whatever the above has in the past, present, and future, and potentially future, has either been affected by any of the above, all as in all the things I've already mentioned, as well as market moves that affect any of the above. Then look at elections that have been held in the previous decade for the immediate area, which is that entire region, and determine if any of that plays in how, where, and when, with a specific focus on affecting any major player in the world and what they may do in the area. These, so far, is, I wrote this off the top of my head, this is a starting point of what I think about when I begin to look into anything for the first time or get caught up on something. This is everything going on in my brain. I further wrote, then after that, after that, start, move to second and third order effects. Meaning, for everything that has a connection, look at a country A in the area, has such and such connection with country B that may or may not be in the area. How does one or both of those affect country C with any of the aforementioned themes, that entire list we talked about, that is a country we didn't consider, and how could those possible results affect any of the above? So, 
if you were able to, or however you look through all the above things and all the other connections and in that process, you'll find so many other connections between them. It'll start to get crazy, but you have to not get caught in the weeds. You have to focus on the specifics, the things that are actually not truths, the actual facts of what matters there. Then we go back through and see, are there other nations we haven't looked at yet that are two or three layers down that could be affected by any of this? Like, you know, country A sells oil to country B and that oil goes through this area. Okay, so that's that's a connection, right? It's far more detailed than that, but just looking at that. Okay, one of the ways, one of the many ways we could look at two or three layers down is to say, well, what grade is that oil and what's it used for by country B? You know, and how's it shipped? Is country A it shipped it refined or they shipped it crude? How's they shipping it? Country B gets it. What do they do with it? Are they reselling it? Are they making a product out of it? What are they making out of it? Are they making plastics? Are they making tires? Are they making propane? Are they making kerosene? What are they doing with it? And then what are they doing with that product? Who are they selling it to? Because if they're selling or trading that to another nation, that's now country C. How is country C going to be affected by the fact that oil, say oil prices alone, or the availability of oil, or what other, and a lot of textile products don't just get lost in oil. A lot of textile, food, and other products go through there. How does country C, which there'll be a lot of country C's, how are they affected by this? And how does your third layer down, how does that effect on country C relate to their relationship with another country we didn't even think of? And remember, at this point, if this sounds confusing, which you may have to listen to this again, understand this. This is why I said, this can get overwhelming. This is how deep it goes. If you can just do the first part with the countries in the region, you're doing far more than most other people. However, comma, most of the people that do this that are playing pretend, as I call it, I mean, I'm not usually a jerk to other people. Most of them are just posers playing pretend. That's as far as they go, and they don't even get that right, and they definitely don't go into the detail I did there, just those two regional areas, two regional countries in that long list. They don't even get through that whole list. They don't even, and they look up BS garbage sites, you know, YouTube sites or, you know, guys, conservative guys want to, Look at the Epoch Times and pretend like it's news. They don't actually do real research. That's why I started out with, here's the percentages. That's why I started out with that. So you force yourself <laughs> to look at better products. So this is how, and most of them don't go this, the only reason they go this far deep is they read something that says something that tells them it goes this far deep and they pretend like that's magic when it's, they don't even know what they're talking about. So this is how to do it yourself. This is what, this is what the real people do. Now, after all that, I said, I didn't mention militaries because those would unfold naturally in the research and they will, and they should be looked into also, especially anything that's a military treaty that affects any of things I mentioned. Most people focus too much on the military, see them as a driving force, but they're not. What they are is a reactionary force to most of these actions. They're not a driving force that dictates all these other actions of trade and treaties. They're a reaction to the results of or things that create trades and treaties. Then I go on to say again, the size of this hint should suggest how much is really out there and how much is really looked at to develop an assessment of an area. And this is not everything you need to develop an assessment of this area. The following links, which I will put in the show notes, are a short list of starting points, and perhaps this email will provide some perspective on how much and how far research should go at a bare minimum. It seems daunting. It takes a very short time for it to become second nature, which is a relative measurement. Kids 17 to 25, I was training, did have a mission focus like this eight hours a day and some initial training. However, by the end of two to four weeks, I could navigate this easily and expand it logically and with great success. Some, depending on time, talent, and motivation, the average person of average intelligence that wants to try this out, that can identify and ignore their biases, that's, got to remember, always identify and ignore your biases, 
They could do what I do with a high degree of confidence and a decent level of accuracy and success probably by the end of this year while having a job, family, and other responsibilities if they could put in one to two hours of solid work in every day, also track it, and also document it. If you really were to put in one or two hours of work a day, talking seven days a week here, (laughs) I want to be clear because the longer in time it takes in smaller pieces, the more overall time it will take. If, if you're doing that one to two hours a day, let's say you're doing an hour a day, and let's say you can ignore your biases, you're doing the stuff I'm doing, you're not getting burnt out on it, you'll find yourself thinking about it a little more, but it's not interrupting your life. Six months to a year, which seems like a long ways away, but overall it's not. You could, you could be sitting pretty with what you're able to do. Your overall assessment of it, your accuracy, that's another question, especially when you don't have guidance. It's going to seem like your assessments are good and your accuracy is there, but you need to do it more because without guidance, you don't really know. But think about it this way. Yeah, it seems like a long time, but in six months, if you do one hour a day, and let's say it's one hour that's really good, not like turn the computer on, turn it off, one solid hour, that's 180 hours. That's a long time. That's a real long time. That is in comparison to what I said by the end of two to four weeks, young kids who have some training experience in this are usually able to grasp the stuff pretty well. The ones that are doing really well, how many hours is that? Well, in military hours, because they work a little over eight hours a day, it's about 180 hours. So depending on the average person of average intelligence who want to put the time in this, who isn't getting lost in the weeds, isn't getting distracted, isn't following their biases six months to a year. Now, the links I put in, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 links I put in. They are from different places. Some are news organizations like USNI, MFAT, LinkedIn, EIA, Reuters, Al Jazeera, Crisis Group, Time Magazine, Dry to Global, SPG Global, Maersk, Windward. One's a blog, one's from Hertz. Uh, Marine site and also Princeton. There are just a few things I found that cover a few different portions of those three main points we started with where I took the Red Sea and said, we need to go a little bigger. Strait of Hormuz, Gulf of Aden, Suez Canal. That's what we're really looking at. The water that connects those three things, of course, you're looking at. But it's going to be easy to find the military stuff in there. The military and the money piece will come. They will be in your research. You'll be able to start looking at that and figure things out. And then from there, you can kind of prioritize. One thing about what he's doing that is good is he's, although he didn't know the numbers, one of the things he's looking at is getting a baseline understanding of what happens day to day or annually in that area. What kind of, how many ships, like here's here's the basic stuff you should be looking for. Anybody who wanted to use this specific subject. We want to know how much money a year, which I told you about a trillion dollars. We want to know percentage of world trade, percentage of seaborne trade. Then we want to break down the amount of money, world trade and seaboard trade and percentages by the most common items like textiles, food, and oil, but they will not be the only ones. There are other things to look at. That will tell you a lot more down the road. You want to know that stuff. How many ships per year go through there? What's the difference between the Gulf of Aden and the Strait of Hormuz? Why do they matter? Because they're different. So that's something else to look at. You know, eventually you'll get into things where you could say, okay, so the Iranian Navy is down there messing around now. We've sent our Navy over there. Who else is going over, right? Because you're probably only looking at our news thinking it's us. The other thing too is we have a treaty with Saudi Arabia for security. What does that thing say? 
Was that card pulled yet? Could we be doing that? What would that allow us to do or restrict us from doing in the area? And now I'm just bringing that up because there'll be a lot of other treaties and trade agreements you can see. You want to bring those up too. One of the things you learn from this is how in-depth trade agreements can be. They're not year to year. Some of them last a century. You also find out they don't have everything to do with money. We think that they do because if somebody says, you know, this much product was moved, we measure it in dollars. It's because it's an easy way for people to understand it. But a lot of trade agreements don't exchange money. This is why people get lost in the idea of thinking that we make bad trade deals. We don't. Every trade deal we make is beneficial to us. Every single one. We don't make deals that aren't. People that tell you that are idiots. They don't understand trade or the economy or know how to look into this stuff and see how it works out. But there's things you can't forecast when you make these deals. We don't purposely make bad deals. We make deals all the time that benefit us. For example, people freaked out. I remember during President Obama's administration, but there was a thing with a war with Israel. Was it a six-day war? One of the wars with Israel. We came in, I think it was a six-day war. You can look that up. It may not have been them. But Israel and Egypt were fighting. Other countries were involved. People didn't realize it, of course, because they only focused on Israel and Egypt. We came in and negotiated a peace deal. And part of that deal was a trade agreement we made where one of the things we do is provide a certain amount of military equipment to Egypt every seven years. We provide certain things to all those countries because of that agreement. People think that's a bad deal, like we're giving stuff away. That's not how that deal worked. They're just making assumptions based on their feelers. <laughs> you know, they got me in the feels. And instead of looking into it to see what else we get out of it. But even if we didn't get anything else out of it, you know, we did get out of it. A lot of lives saved and wars not fought that would have escalated very easily into a regional conflict that would have been much bigger long before the Gulf War and all these other things. But people don't think like that. They just, people that are telling you that we make bad deals are going into this with a bias and cherry picking data every time. I've never seen it not happen. The question is, what do you not know how to look for? Because if you think deals are bad, that means you don't understand the deal or know how to look for it. With, unless you have some extreme political bias that says the deal's bad because this person's a Republican that made it or this person's a Democrat that made it, with the pr proper information on how the deal's structured, you should be able to look at any trade deal and go, I can see why we made that deal and why it's a benefit. It's just how it works. You know, that's some of these deals, they're not like Craigslist. <laughs> it's not, people act like it's a single transaction. Oh, you're going to give me oil, I'm going to give you money. That's, that's not how trade deals work, people. It's not how they work at all. They're far more involved. They involve more than two countries. They involve other countries. They also involve businesses. They also involve private enterprise. I mean, let's just look at, uh, like I talked a little bit. Nobody got back to me, so I guess nobody was confused about what I was saying about looking at the military contractors and how that's keeping us out of probably the reason we're staying out of a recession because we're able to make these sales. That's why I said all along, people are like, well, we're giving this and these European countries are giving this to Ukraine or giving, nobody's giving them anything. That's a lie. That's stupid people. We don't give that crap away. We sell it. It's all for sale. And they're writing checks they can't cash, Ukraine, and they're going into debt over it. Nobody's giving anybody anything. It's all for sale. They don't understand those deals. They don't understand what we get out of them. Sometimes what sounds like a financial loss is simply a matter of votes. People owe us a vote, usually like in NATO or, or more importantly, the UN. That happens sometimes. We negotiate deals for all kinds of things that we get in return, many of which are back behind closed doors. I'm saying all this so that you can understand there's far more out there than what I guess we could call them proposed experts say. This is part of the reason why I gave you the percentages in the beginning of who to listen to because you'll get caught up in these guys that don't know what they're talking about. 
also to drive home the idea, it's very easy to get lost in that idea on how trade deals work and to understand that that is a distraction to when you're doing something like an area study. To understand an area study is to understand the importance of the area, how it got there, how it could change, and how that could affect other things. That's the real importance of an area study in loose terms. So one of the things you're looking at here for the, for the guy that sent me this is that you see all this stuff going on. Had you known this before, because some people did, is looking at could you have forecasted something like, which it was, if something remotely like this happened with Israel, when Iran would get involved, what they would do and the effects this would have on trade. Businesses, what I'm teaching you to do, businesses do this. They do stuff like this. Part of the reason why they'll come up publicly and say, you know, we're doing X, Y, and Z. They have customers. They, they're telling customers privately that they're changing shipping lanes or going around the Horn of Africa or, or down the south side, sorry, the, down the Cape or, or wherever they're going or going through the Arctic. You know, there's a reason why. <laughs> this is a good, another reason I'm doing this. I mentioned on the Finland show, I think it was on the Finland show, but I talked about the Panama Canal, right? And the issues they're having with the Panama Canal and talking about going through the Arctic. Okay. Don't think I wasn't thinking about the Suez Canal and the possibility of what could go on down there, but nothing was happening at the time to mention that, but something was happening in Panama. And now what's happening? You're going to find you do this research. People are talking about going through the Arctic, just like I told you they would, right? This is an example of the information you get when somebody's done area studies. They've literally done this job for real for, for a government. You know, this is part of what I did and how I, this is how I find this information. Yes, there's things I already know. Yes, there's things from my past. But then again, some of that stuff too is only relevant to when I knew it. Some things I can stay updated on, but some things I'll never know because I don't, I don't work for a government. I don't have a clearance to access it anymore. But this is to understand there is importance here. You are capable of doing this yourself. The information's out there for you doing this self with the right guidance. And I'm, I'm willing to give it to anybody who wants it if you're really trying to do that. And as you go along and the better off you get, I can then do, I can do more shows and help other people. There's probably other people out there interested in looking at this, but you can take everything I've said and you can put that into another study. If you want to go study something else, if you want to go look up any conflict, you know, the reason people don't do this one, they don't, well, one, they're most of the time they're just not provided the information. The second one is they think they know better. That's most of the talking heads out there that try to talk about this stuff that don't get anywhere as deep as I do or have any reasonable degree of accuracy when they're claiming they do. That's, you want to be careful with that. You know, third, obviously I say this part of the reason why I'm driving you to go look at this stuff is don't just listen to me. Even if you can't find anybody else you want to listen to and you're only listening to me, at least you're getting the benefit of me telling you how to go learn it on your own. Cause I can, I could do this stuff more. I'm going to mean, I'm going to start doing some minor league sit rep reports and telling you stuff that's going on that you can look up further on your own to see if you come up with the same assessment. But things like this, I'll do, I'll do shows on. I'm not going to tell you how to think about it. I think that would be dumb. You want to learn how to do it yourself. You know, it's like they say, give a man a fish he eats for a day, teach a man how to fish, so he's going to starve for a very long time until he gets lucky and finally catches one. That's to say, it seems daunting. It's going to be hard at first, but don't overwhelm yourself. Just pick one thing. You know, yes, I think about all that stuff and I go through this in minutes and I created... This entire email I sent him in about 15, 20 minutes and sent it to him. Okay, you don't you don't need a goal like that. Pick the pieces out of there that are the most interest to you. You know, if, if you're not interested, just figure out why. Are you not interested in that area? Are you not interested in certain aspects of researching an area? Pick the ones you're interested in. That's gonna 
inspire you to want to do more. That's the things to look at. Okay, I think I've rambled enough. I don't I don't know. Anyway, hope this helped you out. We got more shows coming. I'm trying to stick to the three-day schedule. I got some plans coming for the subscribe side. And then I'm going to be doing some, I think I'll do some bonus releases when we do subscribed episodes. I've realized recently on some of the apps you can't even tell. Uh, I think I already knew to some degree, but you really can't tell that there's actual other ones out there because you're not on, say, a Spotify, one of the Spotify apps. That's fine. So I'm going to make sure people are aware that they're there. So the option to go over and look and see if it's something you want to listen to. Another thing to notice too, and I think I mentioned something along these lines on how to read the news. You follow some similar process to what I outlined to you today and you start getting involved in driving down, looking, the data I told you to look for is data, it's facts, it's information. We're not looking for truth, truth's irrelevant. We're looking for facts and information. From there, you can make your own decision on, you can make an assessment on what you think is happening and the happening relates to whatever you're really looking for. You know, he might be really looking to see where our shipping route's going to change to and how much is that going to change prices. That might be all he cares about looking. Somebody else can be following the exact same thing, get all the same information. What they're looking for is to see, could those changes affect enough countries to get on board to say, hey, Israel needs to stop fighting these guys or Israel needs to keep fighting these guys. There's no right answer on what to look for. You can have all the same information and look for a whole bunch of different things, and there's nothing wrong with that. The question is, do you know what to look for and how to find it? And that's what I'm trying to help you figure out. But most importantly, the amount of things you're looking for here and why it may seem overwhelming, hopefully drives home a point I brought home in the back or in the past, like on how to read the news, that if you really start following a format on how to find data and information, it's actually pretty easy to ignore your biases. That's how you really ignore them, by searching and drilling down on data. Harder if you haven't identified them, but if you're honest with yourself and identify some biases you have, even if you all you can say is, well, sometimes I do this, as long as you're consciously aware of it, it'll be a lot easier to ignore it when you start drilling down on data because all of a sudden it won't matter. You'll start, things will start popping out to you. Truths will start popping out to you as in subjective truths. And you'll be like, oh, wow, this, you, I mean, you might believe it's easy with a news source, but it'll be people you listen to. It might be people with radio shows, it might be other podcasters or YouTubers or some people that you like. And I've seen people that I've trained go, I really like this guy. I thought he had good information. I realize he's a lot of subjective truths. Actually doesn't really know what he's talking about, but I do get the entertainment value, so I still listen to him. And then some people would say, yeah, this guy wasn't as entertaining and I didn't listen to him, but now I realize that he was a person who was just not an entertaining speaker, but he knew this information and he's correct, so I'm starting to pay attention to him more. You will have revelations like this to some degree, depending on where you're going and what you're listening to. Just be careful. Remember what your goal is, and the goal is something you set yourself. If you're going to take this study, this area of, say, Yemen and the Houthis, okay, what, what's the end state here of what you're trying to learn? What, are you trying to learn something? Are you trying to understand something? What, or what are you trying to figure out? You know, whatever you need to phrase it. I want to figure out, finish that sentence. Okay, go back, follow that process. Even if the information I'm telling you to look for seems unrelated, it will all connect. It's all connected. Just go take a look, see what you find. And all of a sudden, you'll at least get a bigger picture. And you'll realize that you're probably the one painting the picture. It's not some news agency or somebody else presenting you a picture and telling you it's an accurate representation. You'll be painting your own. And that's really what you want to do. Because at the end of the day, even if I disagree with your assessment and outcome, even if it turned out that I was right, what would make me happiest is knowing that you actually totally on your own painted that picture especially if it was something I taught you. 
and that you've made progress in your own independent thought and realized how much information is out there you can get and probably more realized how much other stuff you shouldn't be listening to. So hopefully this kickstarts your research. Or maybe it's a, maybe it's give you a head start on your research. The Gray Man Kickstarter. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. 